If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. Pastor Eric asked me to preach tonight and teach from Acts 14. So if you got your Bible, Acts 14, we're going to start at verse 1. Proper homiletics say Acts 14, verse 1. That was three times. <laughs> it says, Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke that a great multitude of both Jews and Greeks believed. Let's stop right there at verse 1. When he asked me to do it, I ended up spending about an hour and a half on that simple little one verse. Looked up the word Iconium. It means the little image. It's where we get our term icon from. And Paul spoke in such a way that Jews and Greeks believed. He's preaching in a synagogue and all of a sudden a bunch of Gentiles show up and are in the middle of the synagogue. Who here knows enough about Jewish tradition that that's not a good thing? But when you so speak with the power of the Holy Spirit and start telling of the goodness and grace of God, religious traditions go out the window. It's a truth right there. Jews and Greeks were there in John 12, verse 31. Jesus said, I will draw all men unto myself. Just by preaching him, everything went out the door. Every, all the rules, all the things that they had set aside, everything went, and the doorkeeper lost his job. So Jews and Greeks started gathering. It said, verse 2, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their mind against the brethren. They started poisoning their psyches, their will, their emotions. Now, how many of you guys know people in church will do, try to do that? I mean, I went to a Bible college, and you get somebody up there speaking a great message, and as soon as you're done, you hear somebody say, well, I don't agree with that. Well, it's what the Bible says. And it's our job as, as believers to focus on what the Word says, to stand on that Word because the world around you is going to try to make you doubt. It's going to try to bring you down. It's going to try to do everything it can to change your perspective. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 6, that just a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Just a little bit. I grew up a farm kid, and uh, we had when you farm... There's tractor diesel, and there's regular diesel. Now, tractor diesel is red. Regular diesel is clear. And you'd think, well, you can mix the two, can't you? No, it's horribly illegal because of a, of a tax issue. And, but I've seen it done. Guys would try to do it. And in a 100-gallon tank on a tractor, it would take about three drops of the red diesel to taint the entire tank. And if... A police officer, someone like that, came up, checked your tank, and you had red diesel in there. Fines started coming. It just takes a little bit of doubt to change everything. So Paul's saying here in verse 2 that the unbelieving Jews started stirring up the Gentiles. Verse 3, Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders, to be done by their hands. Your abilities will draw an audience, but preaching the grace and the goodness of God will keep them there. They have this whole group trying to poison their minds, and it says, 
And they stayed there a long time. That's what happens when you start preaching the grace of God. And wherever the word is preached and believers are gathered, as Jesus said in Mark 16, I know I'm giving Michael a workout back there. Mark 16, starting at verse 15, he said, Go into all the, word, all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, by no means harm them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God, which seals the deal for us. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying of signs. So when you're preaching, like Paul was here, he started preaching and signs and miracles follow. And the word says that that confirms that which we preach. It's the goodness of God. If you see someone accept the gospel and all of a sudden say, well, I was born blind and they receive their sight, you cannot doubt the goodness of God right there. You just can't do it. It's, it's without our mentality to be able to do that. Now back to Acts. Verse 4. But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when a violent attempt was made by the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, the cities of Laconia, in the surrounding region, and there they preached the gospel. The leaders went and got the cops. All of a sudden, they started hearing something they didn't like, and they couldn't do anything about it, so they said, well, let's get somebody with more power that we can coerce into our, our, our side of things. And I was thinking about just that simple scripture and the ministry that I've done in my life, and it seems like every time I come into contact with legalistic Christians especially, that don't like what I'm saying, they decide to go to the authority. They want nothing to do with the authority until something doesn't go their way. It's like children. My two kids, they'll play great together, they'll love on each other, but the second one takes the toy from the other one. All I hear is, Mommy! Daddy! And it's just, I look at them and I say, grow up. You know, I love my kids, but it always seems like that there's that legalistic group that wants to do that. They want to scream out and say, this isn't fair. My crowd's not as big as theirs because I want more attention on me. And it's the reality that is Christendom. It's the reality that's the church. You know, you got people out there pointing fingers saying, you're such a horrible sinner. And the second they hear someone say, God wants you to prosper and to be in health, they say, he's doing something wrong. You know, let's get, let's get somebody involved here. We need to investigate what they're doing. And that's exactly what they did here. But Paul, you know, this is where it helps to, to have a prophetic gift. All of a sudden they're like, whoa, we got to fly. So they jumped on their motorcycles and started going. I knew Len would like that one. And they got to a town called Lystra, verse 8. And in Lystra, a certain man, without strength in his feet, was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. That word 
city Lystra. Looked it up. I'm a facts and details guy. Pastor Eric loves me and hates me for it. But the, the word Lystra means a ransom. So there's a man bound and crippled in a town called Ransom. And he was crippled until he heard that he was free. Verse 9 says, This man heard Paul speaking. Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had the faith to be healed. He was preaching and Paul saw faith. We're, in this church, we're really familiar with Romans 10 where it says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Preach the word. When you get into situations, preach the word. What if, in this case, as there's so many others, there's someone out there who's in bondage, who's enslaved to poverty, to sickness, to depression, to any of those things, and they just don't know that their ransom hasn't been paid. In, you know, in past wars, it doesn't happen as much now because of technology, but they would call a truce, and people would keep fighting because they just didn't know. World War II had happened all the time. Soldiers in, in the European front or the Japanese front would all of a sudden get word that, you know, in the case of, of Europe, Germany has surrendered. And they're like, wow, I was fighting this morning. But they just, if you don't know, you don't know to stop. You don't know that you're free unless someone tells you. Newton's first law of motion, I like science, says an object either is at rest or it moves at a constant velocity unless acted upon by an external force. It's a really complicated statement, but it means this. If I'm going this direction, I'm going to continue going this direction until something stops me from going in this direction. If I'm if this direction is sickness, I'm going to keep going this direction in sickness until somebody goes, wait, you're healed. If it's poverty, I'm going to keep going with a poverty mentality and someone says, until someone says, Jesus broke that curse. You don't have to be impoverished anymore. God hid those things within the, the very nature of the world we, in which we live to speak his own gospel, that everything moves unless it's acted upon. The human soul is bound to hell unless it's acted upon. And Paul saw that in this man. And it says that seeing intently that he had the faith to be healed. Discern people's faith for miracles. And when you see faith rising in their hearts and their minds, stop simply speaking and start boldly declaring. Change the way that you speak when you see things in people. Which means you got to talk. You got to get up in front of people and say, Jesus has more for you. He has more. And when you see their eyes start to brighten and their hearts start to lift, that weight coming off of their shoulders say, and now by his stripes you're healed. And now he wishes that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. It's beautiful, just that the simplicity of what God is, has done for us, and yet so complicated at the same time. 
Verse 10 says, And with a loud voice, Paul's saying this, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leapt and walked. The ESV says he sprang up. And that word sprang is the same word used to describe a geyser. He physically was laying down and jumped to his feet. A man who had never walked in his life suddenly sprang up. Declare what the word says and put your faith in God doing abundantly above all that you can ask or think. That's Ephesians 3 verse 20. John 14 14 verse 12, Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. I was praying on this, and God spoke something very, very profoundly to me that every time I looked in Scripture, I kept finding over and over. Make the word the minimum expectation, but believe for a maximum manifestation. The word says that by his stripes we're healed. Paul took that and said, jump. Jesus said, faith can do anything. Nothing's impossible. Look at that mountain, tell it to be removed. The word is the minimum standard because Jesus is the word. And if he said himself that greater things will you do than I even could because I sat down, how much more is available to us than we're even realizing? Verse 11. Now when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices in their Lyconian language. The gods have come down in the likeness of men, and Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. These Greeks, these people in Lystra, saw what these men were doing and equated them to their strongest deity and their most eloquent That got me really, really challenging myself to think, when people see me, what do they equate me with? You know, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So when people see me, what do they see? Do they just see another person? I was just back in in my hometown, and people would look at me and go, people I hadn't met in years would just look at me and go, you're Kevin Ortenblad's son, aren't you? Yes, you know. You look just like him. You talk just like him. My dad's a good guy. That's a, I'm, I'm honored for, him to say, for them to say that. But it, it challenges you at the very basic level of your faith to think, do I sound like my father? Do my actions reflect that power that he had in his voice to simply say, let light be, and it was? To call those things which are not as though they are? They called Barnabas Zeus, and they called Paul Hermes. That's crazy. Those those titles are reserved for people like Hercules. That's what they equated. So all of a sudden, you got two men standing doing these miraculous things, and that's the closest they could come was to call them those, those people. Verse 13, Then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in front of the city, brought oxen and garland to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, 
Why are you doing these things? We are also men with the same nature as you and preach to you that you should turn from these things, useless things, to the living God who made heaven, the earth, the sea, and all the things in them, who in bygone generations allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not reveal, he did not leave himself without witness. He did, in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful season, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to them. They say, guys, stop, stop, stop. Now, these, they, these people think they're gods in the flesh. And they're saying, stop, do not sacrifice to us. And they can barely contain themselves to not start slitting animals' throats and having a party. They can barely do it. I mean, that'd be like having Jesus in front of you and being like, I need to just stand and, you know, kneel and worship. And Jesus is like, no, stand and walk with me and being like, These people couldn't do it, and they thought these men were their gods. And he said, no, 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 no. Turn to a living God who created the world. Turn to someone who has written his name in everything you see. Matthew 6, 28 and 29, Jesus describes why we shouldn't worry. He said, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glories was not arrayed like the, one of these. Or Luke 19, verse 40. But he answered to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Almost every service here is, is ended with the phrase, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. They're telling them, you might not have heard the name Jesus, but you saw him in everything you touched. The rains in your field that brought grain into your, your storehouses, to the sun that shines, it's all him. And yet they could barely do it. They tore their clothes and were frustrated. And we see that that normal side of Paul here, where he forgets his own, his own teaching. And I want to remind you guys of this, that preaching the gospel is your prerogative. It's what God placed us on this earth to do. But people's reaction and response to it is God's. It's our job to preach and to tell them, you know, like the man in Lystra, to tell them, your ransom's been paid. Their reaction, that's between them and God. So when someone says, well, I prayed for someone and, and they didn't get healed instantly. It is God's will to heal. But at the end of the day, that's between them and God. Don't, don't take that, you know, I must be a horrible Christian. I must have sin in my life. I must have these things. Maybe it's just they didn't believe in it. When I was up in, in Minnesota, my, uh, my dad's cousin, um, we got a phone call and hadn't known any of this, but he ended up having a, a massive brain tumor. And we went to his house to, to pray with him and talk. And everything inside my soul cried out, I want to pray for him. I want him to be healed. They had taken the, the tumor out, but he still had, um, it had fingered out into his brain. And he's looking at two months without chemo, a year with chemo. 
And everything within me wanted to just cry out and say, by his stripes you're healed. But the words that came out of his mouth were completely contradictory to that. He said, you know, I, I, know, that, I know that I'm just going to die from this. So I did my job. I said, no, you're not. You don't need to. God has come to heal us. Told them what the words said. I spoke scripture, and I walked away. Past that, it's between him and God, and Paul had to leave this at that. They had this whole town up in arms, ready to start sacrificing bulls to two men. And Paul just ripped his clothes and said, can't do it. Verse 19, it says, Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing, that, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. Those Jews that he had been fighting against from the second he left the shore came, finally caught up with him and stoned him. And it said that they, supposing him to be dead. Now, throughout Scripture, God has done a lot of different things. In the Old Testament, he had a vast array of punishments for certain sins. And one of those was stoning. A couple Scriptures, we're not going to put them up, but Numbers 15.35, Leviticus 20, verse 2. God tells people the art of stoning. And so it says, supposing him to be dead, that word supposing means in the tradition of to follow the custom or the tradition. So these Jewish leaders who had no doubt done this several times in their lives, stoned him in the center of the city, dragged him all the way out to the outskirts, and he was dead. Jews don't mess around. If they're going to do something, they're going to do it well. But the Jews came, it says they persuaded. And religious people will always seek to persuade and rebel against those who preach a gospel of hope and of peace, of joy, of grace, of faith. But there's something really interesting in this. It says that the, the disciples gathered around him, and he rose up and went back into town. Now, kind of a freaky thing, you know, to see all of a sudden they're walking around going, man, that was a good stoning today. And all of a sudden he walks back into town and they're going, what just happened? It, this, the same thing happened when Jesus died. It said that the graves were open and people who had been dead started walking and people are going, did I forget to take my medication today? But it shows right here the importance of who you surround yourself with. Paul surrounded himself with men of God, and you're only as good as the company you keep. And uh, back in, in, in the days of the Roman Empire, the reason they were so successful is because they had a theory that proved to be very, very accurate of, I have a big shield which protects half of me, and half of the guy next to me. The Bible says, bear one another's burdens. So if I have a shield protecting me and half of him, and the guy in front of us gets injured, 
We advance forward, get him behind our shields, and he's taken back. That's how the gospel works. That's how surrounding yourself with men and women of God. I've, I'm, I'm pretty young, but I've lived enough life to have surrounded myself with the wrong people and the right people. And when stuff happens, surrounding yourself with the right people raises you from the dead sometimes. Verse 21, and when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch. They went back and proved to all of those religious leaders, he can't kill me. It was Kelly Clarkson who said, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. (laughs) It says, in strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue the faith and saying, We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. I want to remind you guys, and and we serve a great pastor in a great church who tells us that God has never been against us. This side of the cross, God is always for us. So these tribulations are a direct attack from hell itself. Paul's tribulations that he states here were the result of preaching a gospel of faith grace, power, prosperity, spiritual gifts, healing, and the love of God. And the history of the church is one that men who preach these things are persecuted for them. The great reform, uh, reformist, I guess you'd call him, Martin Luther, was excommunicated in several attempts on his life for telling people, it's not what you do, it's who you know. Guys like Jesse Duplantis have come under attack several times. And I remember when I was at Christ for the Nations, someone got really upset with Kenneth Copeland Ministries and said, well, he's flying his jet here and there. He's doing all these things. We, I think he's committing tax evasion. I, I had the, the joy of serving Mom Lindsay at, at that point, and she, I heard her over say to her son Dennis, those poor people don't know what they're in for. She was talking about the IRS. They searched all of his books, did all of this and that, and it was on the news. I I remember watching it. And ended up finding that the IRS owed Kenneth Copeland $15,000. To which he looked at them and said, you need it more than I do. But when you preach what the Bible says to preach, when you do what the Bible says to do, people don't like you. Jesus said, they didn't like me, they're not going to like you. But the reality of it is, we don't serve the world. We don't serve men. We don't do things for the people of this earth. We do things for the God who has redeemed this earth. Verse 23. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended to the Lord in whom they had believed. And after they passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And now, when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Attilia. I know why he gave me this chapter. From there, they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. That, I read that so many times and looked over that, that part of where they had been commended to the grace of God 
for the work which they had completed. What work do you still have in your life? God's grace is there for you to do it. If it's to preach the gospel, His grace is there. But I don't like to speak in front of people. His grace is there. What business opportunity do you have rolling around in your mind? But I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know where the finances are going to come from. God's grace is there. What dream is in your heart to do? But up to this point, you've just been scared. God's grace is there. And we're, you know, you might think, well, I've done so many stupid things. Romans tells us very clearly where sin abounds, grace does much more. So time and time again, no matter what Paul and Barnabas did, it was the grace that was commended to them that kept them going. And they completed their work. One thing I want to encourage you guys with and really challenge you, and I'm challenging myself in this, is if you're going to start something, when it comes to ministry, when it comes to the kingdom especially, finish. You know, Paul said, I've, I have run my race, I've fought the fight, I've kept the faith. He knew he wasn't going to die until his job was done. Your lives are still young. I know very elderly people who still have a lot of time on this earth because they're still preaching the gospel. I've had the chance to, and I, I look him up online, buy his book, it's Living Beyond What, or Living Beyond the Possibilities by Wayne Myers. When I was at CFNI, he came and spoke. It was my last semester, and he sat down 85 years old and was, whew, I'm tired. I said, oh, you know, Brother Wayne, are you, can I get you anything? I, he said, no, I just got back from, from Singapore and the Philippines, and I was there for five days and preached nine times. This is an 85-year-old man who, when he preaches, and anyone who's been at Christ for the Nations knows he has a hard time keeping it under an hour. But he has so much to say, so much freedom to give. He knows his work isn't done, and so he keeps going. But if you give up on that work, what do you got? Verse 27, we'll get out of here early tonight. Now when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them. With. No matter where you go, no matter what he's given you to do, you don't work for God, you work with him. And that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles, so they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Paul teaches a a great lesson in what seems to be a closing of chapter. That no matter how big your business or ministry, no matter how many people you have working for you, no matter what your reach is, no matter anything you're doing to overcome and succeed, not only in the world, but in ministry and what God has put before you to do, you must have one thing, a home. Where did Paul go? He went back to the local church. He went straight back to the place that he had been born from. The place that took him in when he was Saul, the killer of the Christians. He went back to church. No matter if you are on a 
flowing stream of blessing or you're in a desert of hardship, come here. You guys are here Wednesday night. I don't need to tell you that. But bring people with you. You know the life that this place brings. So sow it in someone else's. And Paul, after doing and seeing and experiencing death attacks from hell, great signs, wonders, and miracles, went to church. Just shows the importance and what the, the emphasis that God puts on it. So I want to challenge you guys. I'm a, you can ask any of the men here. I always end my, my messages with a challenge because I always like to be challenged myself. Push. You're not done with what God's given you. He's given you the grace to do it. Do it. And you do it by sitting here. You do it by preaching the word. You do it by experiencing the manifestations of God in your life and the faith to back it. And how do you get faith? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that circle comes right back to church. So bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you that you are good. We thank you that you have given us so many things for joy. Lord, that no matter what tribulations or trials come at us, we know that your grace is sufficient. We know that you are sufficient for us. Father, that no matter what we do, that you work with us. You're not some God up in the heavens with a lightning bolt, but you're working alongside. You roll your sleeves up and do the work we do. So, Father, we thank you that you give us the the strength and the power, the anointing to do those things, that you said these signs will follow those who believe because you'd give them to us. Father, we thank you that we can do more than what you did here on this earth and that you grant according abundantly above all that we can ask or think. So, Lord, expand our vision. Expand our ability to dream. And let us have the faith to realize that you have the grace for it. We thank you and we praise you for all that you do in our lives. And, Lord, I speak over this church that we are highly blessed and favored in this community, that no matter which way we turn, blessing and favor follows us, that our people are the richest people in the community, that we have emphasis and and influence in political forums and in every aspect of government here, Lord, to further this city and this county, everything that we touch for your kingdom. Lord, that it, no matter what comes at us, no matter what happens, if people attack us, Lord, we know that those who surround us will bring us back to life because they'll preach the word to us. Father, we thank you and we praise you for this wonderful church, our wonderful pastors. We ask that you bless Pastor Eric and give him safe travel back and forth. And we thank you in advance for the great, awesome things you are about to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 a.m., 11 a.m., or 1 p.m., and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Please visit onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at One Cause Church. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.